0: Welcome in to another edition of the Sacramento State Hornets football podcast. This is Stingers Up, and we're so glad you're here with us. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you for checking us out. And we've got a lot to get into on this week's podcast. Certainly a look back at one of the great games in Hornet history. Saturday night, overtime win over Montana, nationally televised, great vibe, huge crowd, good energy, and the Hornets made history by staying perfect. So we will recap that for certain. To help us with that, Dustin Fox, who was on the call, the analyst for the game from ESPN, will join us on this week's podcast. Marte Mapu, one of the key figures of the Hornet defense, a senior, a leader, he will join us on this week's podcast. And we look ahead to homecoming Saturday, a showdown against the Vandals of Idaho. Much improved, a really big matchup, another ranked team coming in, and a team that's showing some Sac State Hornet 2019 vibes. Kind of taking the league by storm, early notice, and then rolling. So there's some interesting comparisons between these two teams. So we'll do all that and more coming up, but let's let's just jump in because Saturday was one of the great games we had seen. I mean, it was so much fun, great atmosphere, great vibes, nearly 16,000 people, late start, went all the way into Sunday morning, and it had a little bit of everything, some controversy. Uh, the Hornets had to come back, um, a great finish. Students storming the field. Uh, it was everywhere, and it was a lot of fun. So let's let's get into it and start with our recap of the game against Montana in an area where the Hornets aren't too familiar. They were actually trailing early on. Second and goal. Snap comes in. Hand up tonight. Power run up the middle. Surge towards the goal line. No signal. He's in. Touchdown. Boy, that was late. It's one of those, you, I mean, you... You kind of have to call it right on the spot, but they waited yeah. to clear the pile, touchdown for the Grizzlies. And for the first time this year, the Sacramento State Hornets find themselves trailing. So not only the first time this season the Hornets were trailing, it was the first time they were also shut out in a quarter. The Hornets were scoreless in the first quarter. They were down 7 nothing. In fact, they were down 10 nothing into the second quarter. Nearly uh, you know a bunch of minutes of football here. The Hornets had played about 20 minutes of that game. 20-plus minutes and hadn't even scored. That's very rare for them, but they finally, finally would get in the end zone. Four fifteen before the half. Hornets outside of field goal range, but closing in at the Grizzly 38-yard line. Dunaway's now in at QB. Jake looking to his left. Pocket holds up. He has some room to run. He'll throw on the move. Looks to the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, Sacramento State. Marshall Martin over the middle, and here come the Hornets. Actually, officially, it was almost 26 minutes without a point so the Hornets get on the board making it 10-7 and again kind of a a back and forth first half that wasn't producing a lot for either side but Montana was trying to add right before the break so Nico Ramos has made a field goal of 36 yards he missed one where he just did not get all of the football at all this will be a 40 uh, about a 39 yarder from the near side hash the Hornets sideline trying to get the fans up and riled to See if they can make a stop here. A block or a miss would give a little bounce to the set for the Hornets going into the locker room. This to make it a six-point lead for the Grizz. Snap placed down. The kick on the way. It maybe been blocked. It was blocked at the line of scrimmage. It'll go into the end zone, so keep them off the board. The Hornets get through and block it. Nice play by Sacramento State. It might have been Caleb Nelson. We'll see if we can get a replay of this, Steve, but that was well done. So going into half, the Hornets felt a little bit better about the position they were in. They trailed 10-7. We go to the third quarter where Montana would get a touchdown on a call that was actually overturned. It was ruled incomplete out of the side of the end zone. The call was correct by the uh, replay review to overturn it. Montana got a foot down, Fonts with the catch. So now Sacramento State's down 17-7 after three quarters and another scoreless quarter. So look at what Montana's defense has done to the third-ranked offense in the nation. No scoring in the first, no scoring in the third, a touchdown in the second, but let's take you to the fourth. The offense would get going, and would get cranked up on the first play of the fourth quarter. So we start the fourth. Hornets going away from Highway 50 towards the Wellness Center. Multiple shifting at the line of scrimmage. Second and ten. Dunaway's the QB. Fulcher back in at running back. First play of the fourth. The Hornets will snap this from the Grizzly. 45-yard line. Dunaway. A blitz coming. Looks over the middle. Has a man. It's caught. It's going to be a touchdown. Pierre Williams, 10-5. Touchdown! Sacramento State on the first play of the fourth quarter. So the Hornets within three after the Pierre Williams touchdown at 17-14. Place is going crazy. People are feeling good. But Montana did their part uh, to really quiet it down. And to their credit, Montana lost their quarterback, Lucas Johnson, early in the game. They had to go to Chris Brown, and Brown did a good job of managing the game, getting the offense, and moving the chains, holding the football, protecting the ball, and Montana would get in one more time here to extend the lead back to 10. Under center now this time, Chris Brown. Now he'll shift. He will put his three tight ends to the right side of the line of scrimmage. Turn and give to Osmo. He runs through the middle, and he is I short. Think in. Well, they're going to look at the bodies, and now there's a touchdown. He's in touchdown, Montana. So this was actually the first time in the game that I felt the Hornets might not win, just might not have enough time. They'd given up twenty-four points; had only scored fourteen points. It was kind of looking like they were in a, in a trouble spot here. And with eight forty-two to go, Sacramento down ten for the third time in the game. But they would start a yet another impressive drive. Unfortunately, though, this drive would stall, and it was a decision for Troy Taylor: Do you kick the field goal? Do you go for it? You're in a really you're inside the ten. But he opted to rely on his kicker, Kyle Senkowski. Yep. Well now here's an extra point or field goal the Hornets desperately need. It'll be a twenty-eight yarder. Ball placed down, the kick is up, and the kick is good. Kyle Senkowski delivers. The Hornets needed that. They're within seven at twenty-four to seventeen on the short field goal. Five fifty-four to go in the game. So the Hornets pull within seven by getting the three points so That was big, but they would need some sort of play. The defense hadn't committed hadn't forced a turnover yet. Uh, and how are they going to make up for that? They had already turned the ball over four times. It's really tough to win a game when you're minus four in the turnover department. So you need something to go in your favor while well, it would happen on the ensuing kickoff. Oh, here's a kick that went off Montana's up man. And the Hornets have recovered it. They kicked a line drive kick that was almost an excuse me kick that the Montana Grizzly up man tried to block. It hit off his hands was rolling around on the logo, and so then it's a free ball, and the Hornets recovered it. So Panikowski hit a low scud that hit off the Grizzlies, and the Hornets,
1: I don't think, planned that, but they got the ball. Well, Jason, that was a great call on your part because that happened so fast. It was a bullet line drive kick off of the Grizz, and you you picked it up beautifully. I mean, there's so many times that announcers miss things, and for you to pick up on that, that was Crazy. What a turn of events for Sacramento State. It was it was like dodgeball. The
0: Hornets now have an opportunity to try to tie the game 24 to 17. It really felt like the game-changing play. The Hornets had momentum now. They had scored on their previous drive. They're within 7, still time left with timeouts, but they would be forced to do a fourth down and 4 and a critical play would happen here for Sacramento State. Hornets have converted one of their two fourth down tries. The people here are on their feet, Montana fans, far side of the field on their feet as well critical play here clock running 405 to go in the game dunaway on fourth down and four blitz coming dunaway pumps throws the sideline route open for a moment it's caught is it ruled in no ruling yet yes the hornets make a catch inside the five. First and goal hornets at the four
1: well, caught the, by gibson the defensive back doesn't think he caught it in bounds and he was trying to signal to the sideline but The Hornets are going to get to run the play. Yeah, they're going to need to run a play. The snap will come in. The play will go off. Oh, and they blew the whistle right when the snap happened. That was a late whistle. I heard the whistle. I thought after Dunaway ran, he took the snap, and then he ran into the end zone.
0: Now, watching it on the replay and the review, personally, I'll give my honest opinion. I thought Gibson was out, but I've seen so many different angles now that I'm not certain. So I think when you get into that spot, it was really difficult to overturn. It looked like he might have been, but I've seen other multiple angles now where, I, I, again, like I'm not 100% certain. So without uh, that evidence to suggest that, they kept it as a catch, and the Hornets would then make the Grizz pay, and they would tie it. Well, here we go, Steve, though. First play for a long time. We see Asher O'Hara. O'Hara scored a rushing touchdown every game this season. He's going to keep the snap. He's going to run right. He's going to get in. Touchdown. Touchdown, Asher O'Hara. Touchdown, Hornets. It's a one-point game. Well, the excuse me onside kick, I don't know what they're going to call it, worked, and now the Hornets are one extra point away from tying this with 3.39 to go.
1: Those That was wild. That I'm was surprised wild, that yeah. doesn't happen more often with the 100-mile-an-hour line drive kick off the front lineman.
0: Here comes uh, the extra point try for Kyle Sinkowski. Snap is low. The kick is up. The kick is good, and we are tied. 24-24, 339 to go. So we go to overtime. The drama certainly isn't done yet. Hornets get the ball first and they would score first and take their first lead. And this is more Asher O'Hara time. He's run short side left multiple times. He's got Scadaboo with them on second down. O'Hara fakes the toss left, keeps it. He's going to run right. He's going to get in. Touchdown, Sacramento State for the first time tonight. The Hornets have the lead.
1: Wow. Wow, what a night this is. This is crazy. The Hornets have dominated their opponents all season. They're undefeated. They come into this game and it looks like they're not going to get this one done. They're down 10 many times tonight, and now they lead in overtime.
0: Now the game's into the hands of the defense. Can the defense preserve a win, preserve a comeback, preserve history, and get this team to 7-0 and for the first time in school history? Well, they did just that. The Hornets looked down, but they weren't out. Can the defense for the second straight year preserve a victory against the Grizzlies? Fourth and eight. We're in overtime. Hornets have scored 17 straight. Brown fade to the corner of the end zone. Ball up for grabs. It's nearly intercepted. Knocked away. No flags. No flags. Sacramento State has made history. The Hornets have won their seventh consecutive game to start the year. The Hornets are number two. They back up their ranking. They're now 7-0 and as they come from behind to defeat the Montana Grizzlies. What a comeback as Sacramento State, with a fade to the corner, had it knocked away. And this place is absolutely loving it. The fans are storming the field. Look at that. Hornet fans, I think for the first time that I've ever seen, have stormed the field. What a visual. They are storming the field as the number two ranked Hornets beat one of the proud programs, the Montana Grizzlies of the big sky. 31 to 24 in an electric atmosphere, a wild night of football that almost took us into the next morning. And Sacramento State stays perfect. Oh, by the way, they win their 15th consecutive regular season game. They start 7-0 for the first time in school history. They stay perfect in the conference. And somehow, someway, they win this game 31-24 to in overtime.
2: Guys down here with the head coach. Coach. All I can say is, wow, what a comeback. What a great victory for this team.
3: Yeah, just shows our resiliency. We, we talked to our guys that it was going to take four quarters. I was actually wrong. It took four quarters in an overtime. You were um, wrong. I was wrong, but uh, you know we hung in there. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty, but our guys continued to play, and uh, our, our big-time players made plays at the end. Overall, this
2: this team has, it did start off slow, and in the opportunities you're playing a great team in Montana, and the battle and it's something that this team has not been through this season, but they did battle through, and you know you say you wanted rushing yards, rushing yards, over a hundred, and. Uh, Wow, just an amazing comeback!
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you said it right there. Uh, it was an interesting game. It didn't always look good, especially when we went down by two scores there in the fourth quarter. Uh, but we got the big turnover on the kickoff, and uh, we're able to we're able to convert.
2: We have to ask, Coach, was that kickoff intentional?
3: Well, it was intentional to be a squib. Um, and, you know, it just so happened to hit a guy. And so, yeah, we'll say it's intentional. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Coach, congratulations on a great victory.
3: Thank you very much. Stingers up.
0: So, a wild night in Sacramento, a win for the Hornets. They need OT to do it, a heartbreaking loss for Montana. And again, some of the things just didn't seem to add up if you think about it. The Hornets had 100 more, almost 100 more yards in the game, they had the ball less than 15 minutes of Montana ran 24 less plays, minus 4 in the turnover department. But they won. And that shows you they they found it. The defense kept them in the game, special teams was good, offense finally found their rhythm and it was it was quite a day for Sacramento State and the program. So they're 7 and 0 and you get you play on ESPN, you get some attention. So much so that uh, the Hornets made it on Bad Beats, which is a section of Scott Van Pelt's show on SportsCenter, where basically it describes those that might be have gambling interest in a game. Well, the Hornets were favored, and uh, they were looking like they were going to lose all game long, but ultimately covered, and it ended up on Bad Beats.
4: I'm taking a brief moment to compose myself before the dreaded part two. Oh, do we have more? Pivot from match into the big sky. Huh? Love it. Top 10 matchup between Sacramento State and Montana. I don't know if we've ever seen Sacramento there. Grizz. Go get him, Grizz. This is an 11 p.m. Eastern kick. Sure was. Montana's catching five. We're up ten on the road. Okay. Six minutes to go. Defense stiffens, forces a field goal from Sacramento State. Kyle Senkowski's made nine field goals in a row. We're down to seven. All, All right. right. Get ready. Oh, oh, onside. Now, I don't know if this was intentional onside or if it was just one of those you were trying to hit a low squibber and hit the up man. Or hit as hard as you can off the guy in the front line. Well, whatever it was, it worked. Because Sacramento State's got the ball back, and you, you've you never not it. been covering with Montana. But now never. you're thinking, if we don't get a stop on fourth and, fourth, fourth and this four, this is trending bad. Look at the dime. Whoa. Jake Dunaway to Jared Gibson. Get is those he in? down? Huh? Double, double move. Is he in? I don't know what kind of sideline sure. cams we've got for the Big Sky 11 p.m. Eastern kicks. We've got a first and goal. Oh, student body right. Oh, this is a disaster. This is... We've been we've been watching this for a very short period of time and the 10-point lead is gone. Gone. Game goes to overtime. Of course. Overtime is not the friend of the underdog, better. You know that. Sac state. Oh. We got Ash, oh, Asher what? O'Hara. Oh. Hornets in the end zone. Yep. This is the first time all game you have been covering. Yep. And now Montana. Yeah. We, oh, we got a man. P.I. No, he just Nothing. Fell. Chris Brown looking for Malik Flowers. He just fell. Yeah, just fell. Fourth and eight. What are you running? The f- wide receiver fall down play. They fell down again. That's horrendous. I mean, oh. we, we talk a lot about this. and unless you're unless you're a gambler, I don't know that it really makes a ton of sense, but you had the right side, right? Had. Now, you could say the right sides had. the right side. Of course, had. the winning side's the right side. But if you have Montana, you know what you say to yourself? i I did a great job capping this game. We, we'll go get him on Sunday. We' playing next week next week tomorrow come on take us to break coming up keep your poise
0: we're kind of sticking with that national theme of ESPN the game was on ESPN 2 first time ever for the Hornets and Dustin Fox was on the call Dustin Fox is a former NFL player played at Ohio State and is doing a great job as the analyst work for a lot of college football and had a chance to describe the action this last weekend and what he saw and Dustin let's kind of start with what you saw and, and really the atmosphere Saturday night in Hornet Stadium,
5: yeah, yeah, I was really impressed really with the the crowd. you know, we had come to the stadium on Friday for uh, our meetings with with coach, and um you know, it's not a big stadium and and we weren't really thinking it was going to be a great, great crowd. you know, the kings were in town, and the soccer team was playing as well, and so they weren't really sure what was going to happen, and you know I'm down in the field before the game, and I'm talking to my par- partner, Brian Custer. Like, Brian, you think anybody's going to show up to this game tonight? And <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I hope I hope so. It's a big game. You know, we're thinking, you know, if this were in Mo- Montana, there'd be 27,000 right. fans. It'd be crazy. Right. But um, no, I mean, people, at, like, you know, an hour before kickoff, just a wave of people just started just coming in from like out of nowhere. I'm like, all right, we might have a decent crowd here. And it turned out to be a really, really good crowd. Um, Uh, much, much more than I expected, and it made for a great game between two, you know, top 10 teams in the FCS and uh, certainly the Big Sky, so it was great. I was really, um, I I said to our crew after the game, I'm like, man, that turned out to be exact opposite of what I thought it was going to be, you know, it was an awesome game, it was a great crowd, and it was fun, and and it was uh it was it was a, it was a great time
0: yeah and we all got bonus football I mean it went deep into the yeah. night I know you have uh, some East Coast obligations there so uh everybody will hopefully stayed up late to watch what turned out to be a thriller kind of in your mind as you kind of recap it in your head how did we even get there it really turned out to be a kind of a wild night of football
5: well I, I thought early in the game you know the, the big play was you know certainly when um a day away knocked out Lucas Johnson you know that was that was the story. I mean, their, their backup quarterback has to come in and, you know, he did a, did an okay job for them, but he's certainly not what Johnson is and not, not to take anything away from Sac State, but you know, you're a team that, that has never trailed this season. So playing from behind, you know, 10 points is a, uh, is a difficult task and Montana's a really good team with a really good defense. So I, I think the fact that, you know, their backup was out there, it allowed some opportunities for you guys to get back in the game and, And certainly uh, that fourth quarter was was incredible. And, hey, man, I I give, you know, Coach Troy a lot of uh, credit for for going for that onside kick because that was a game changer. At the time, I mean, Montana was – they were just owning the uh, time of possession and the amount of plays. I mean, they're they're just running the football, you know, three, four yards a pop. They're running 15 play drives or whatever it is. And I think, you know, Coach Taylor was thinking, we might not get the football back again. So they they did the surprise onside kick. and. And that gets them, gets them right back in the game.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I've done a lot of football. I know you have as well. And I looking at the stats at the end of the game, I'm looking at, you know, the Hornets have nearly more than uh, almost 100 yards more, um, had the ball for about 15 minutes less, uh, mm-hmm. minus four in the turnovers, 24 less plays. It really was kind of a miracle that they were in the game. But then when they had their opportunities, it felt like they, you know, they capitalized on that. I felt Montana maybe, you know, they were scoring some, but not getting the separation that, they probably should have had with the amount of time they had the football.
5: Yeah. They held some field goals and, and those long drives. It was just, you know, I'm thinking I said to my partner during one of the breaks, I'm like, does not it feel like Montana should be up like, you know, 24 points right now with the, all these turnovers. And it's like, yeah, it's crazy that Sacramento state's still in the ball game. And, and it was just enough, you know, teams don't win when, you, when you lose four turnovers, it just doesn't happen. And not to mention that they were killing themselves with penalties. Mm-hmm. You know, you get four, really crucial offensive penalties early in the game. Um, you know, that targeting penalty was huge because that keeps the drive alive and, and, and that whole deal. But yeah, there was a, literally everything went against Sacramento state in terms of uh, them shooting themselves in the foot. And yet they still come out on top and, you know, obviously it took overtime, but um it was it was a it was a fun one.
0: I know you had a chance to see it firsthand. It played a little bit differently, if, you know, with Sac State playing two QBs. They've done that for a year and a half now, but normally it's more of an even balance where they might change between plays, certainly between series. And it felt like a little heavier dose of Asher O'Hara in the first half, then predominantly jake dunaway in the second half that surprised me personally i i didn't know what you had as far as a read going into the game but seeing them play two qps what what did you see watching that kind of firsthand
5: yeah and preparing for the game we, we expected to see both kind of play every series you know they they could alternate like said, alternate plays they could alternate drives or, or what have you but um you know that's kind of what they did in the first half and then o'hara didn't come in the game i believe until the fourth quarter yeah so that was surprising, especially when Dunaway was throwing some of those interceptions. I'm thinking maybe you want to get Asher in there and, and see what he can do. And I, I thought the right time when they brought him in was you know the, the the red zone to get that touchdown and obviously in overtime uh, that was huge for them because he, his ability to to run that triple option, the RPO game is 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 really impressive. I and mean, he's got some serious speed. Uh, I, I was in, ter- in person. I was really impressed with his speed and just kind of how explosive he is and and how willing he is to kind of throw his body around i mean the first play of the game or second play of the game he like dives or jumps over a guy hurls him and mm. nearly fumbles the ball i'm like oh man this guy is fearless so yeah it's, it's an interesting um tactic and i know coach uh taylor had said to us that he'd never really run a, court, a two quarterback system but they're both so kind of gifted and uh, complement each other like really well they they're good buddies they don't really have competition between each other they're both their biggest fans so i think that's important so it's working out for you guys 7 and 0 man yeah. top top 3 in the country and on your way to a number 1 seed maybe
0: <laughs> well i know a lot of people would be happy about that they they're loving this team they're loving the style of play and i know a lot of people here uh it, it's like the legend is building with Cameron Scadaboo uh the mm-hmm. running back and i i saw a couple of clips of of your call and not even just his runs, but his blocking. I know there's a play mm-hmm. late in the game where he blocks two players at once. I mean, just I don't know. You saw him, uh small, scrappy, just a football player. What was your opinion of, of Cameron Scadaboo
5: Just a linebacker playing running back. I mean <laughs> he's he's trying to hurt whoever is trying to tackle him. I mean, we we counted multiple times, you know, six guys it takes to get him on the ground and then you know you see him out there on special teams you know um, in the return game you see him out there as the lead blocker on O'Hara's touchdown run and another run where he, he mentioned that he blocks two guys you know blocks one guy chips in, keeps going down the field and not, takes out another guy like extremely unselfish player you can just tell I, I you know don't know him personally but it, it seems like a, a nice young man who everybody gravitates towards and is having himself a whale of a year and you know, again, we, we sort of sort of parachute into the FCS for for this game. And you know we may have some playoff action down the line, but, uh, you know, we're all over the place. We've done nine different conferences this year. Wow. And, you know, seeing him play is, uh, you know, he he's a, he's a legit FBS type player. I mean, he's, he's a really talented running back and I think he could play at any level.
0: I, I'd be curious, you know, any game that is that close, there's going to be things that people grab to that might be a difference maker. And there's a lot of people referring to some calls in the game. And look, when you play extra time, there's going to be a handful of calls that, that could go either way. I'm just curious on your opinion on that, on the officiating. I know there's a controversial call in the, the fade to Gibson. Was he in? Was he yeah. out? Um, you know, they overturned a touchdown that went in favor of Montana, which I did think was the right call. Just, there are several things out there. Just your opinion on, on the officiating and maybe the impact, if any, on the game
5: yeah i listen i think the one controversial one was the was the foot inbounds on the, on the gibson catch on mm-hmm. the fourth down and he, again they called it a catch on the field and we just didn't have a look to to really see if that foot was out i honestly like the one look that i did see it was close and i i i'm like i said to brian i think it might be out you know and they just didn't have a look, and for for such a crucial call, I I agree that you stay with the call in the field in that situation. Now, had they called him out of bounds, it'd probably been the same thing. Mm-hmm. It'd probably been it'd probably been a stands like it's just the call in the field matters, and the official was there and he called him in. So whether it be a break or whatnot, that's just that's just sort of how it goes. You know, the the replay officials are relying upon what our truck can give them, and if they don't have a camera right there on that line, depending on you know the angle, you just can't tell, and and we didn't so. Um, you guys caught a break. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so too. Uh, so, Dustin, as we look ahead then, just I know, you, like you said, you kind of parachute into these games. You don't have a, a ton of Sac State football games in your resume here, but you saw them once. Uh, they played a really good team, played them close, ended up with the win. I don't know, just a, a thought on the outlook for the Hornets rest of the way and, and what they hope to be a, a significant playoff
5: run. I think you got a scary matchup this week with Idaho. Mm-hmm. I really do. I just think that team because I watched the Montana Idaho game the, the week before, and they're, they're just kind of a, a, a grimy, grinded-out type of team that will do exactly what Montana did to did you guys. You know, time of possession, they're going to huddle, they're going to take the whole play clock and, and frustrate you, especially, you know, Sac State scores so quickly. You know, if, if Sac State goes three and out, well, they may have the ball for seven minutes before you get it back, and that can be frustrating in terms of, you know, creating some sort of a rhythm for the game um but if you guys get by idaho i mean weber state game is going to be a tough matchup that's on the road in uh november i think portland state and uc davis are dubs for you guys so yeah i think two two tough matchups here to get to 11 and 0 and and see if you guys can get that that number one seed in that bye
0: mm, man it would be so much fun to see it's been a miracle season it was great having espn there i mean just the the what people were saying about it, how it happened, how it played out. It was a a special night in Sacramento. We are glad you were a part of it. And like you said, I hope, I hope we see you again. That means the Hornets are playing more football and maybe you guys are, are parachuting back in for the, for some playoff football.
5: I think we may get a quarter or a semifinal. So if you guys can get there for us, we'd love to have you again,
0: man. That would be great. Dustin, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, hopefully we see you again very soon.
5: And likewise, thanks for having me.
0: All right, thank you, Dustin. We appreciate you joining us, and like we said, we hope we see him again because that means the Hornets are going to be playing deeper into the postseason. They still have regular season games, though, to worry about. We're going to talk more about Idaho. Dustin gave us a little preview there of what to expect because this is a good football team the Hornets are playing Saturday, and a guy that needs to be ready for that is Marte Mapu, a senior, a big part of what this Hornets defense is about and has been about. He's got stats all over the place as one of the leading tacklers, Got a couple interceptions, gets after the quarterback, picks up the football, makes big hits. He's everywhere, and uh, he's our guest this week on Stingers Up. And let's check in with Marte Mapu on on really that game Saturday night. His perspective of what he saw in that thrilling win for the Hornets.
6: Uh, it was great. Uh, shout out to the fans for coming out. Um, our athletics department did a good job of just trying to boost um, the game and getting everybody out here. You felt the atmosphere. I've played in some pretty intense games before, and having fans out there that are able to impact the game really helps. Uh, it was it was fun. It felt like one of those big games. Um, I don't know. It felt like these are going to be the games that we're going to have to be able to win in the playoffs, and it felt like that type of game. Yeah.
0: As far as one of the cool elements afterwards, I mean, you guys were number two, your favorite to win the game, but to see the fans – rush the field too that was a pretty pretty cool element for us to see in the press box when when it was finally over and you guys were on defense to to preserve the win that moment of probably fatigue but also just jubilation that you,
6: you finally did it what was that moment like uh felt like relief it felt like uh satisfaction really um nothing really bigger than that I'm just glad we got our goalposts still <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um, and they're physical. I mean, that's a, that's a physical team. And you got, your offense has been so good all year. Uh, I don't know if it's any more rewarding for you to kind of almost have the defense keep you in the game and then basically win the game at the end. Was that, It's a team game, but how cool is it to kind of – it was a lot on the defense on Saturday.
6: Um, after every game, no matter what side of the ball does good or dominates or whether it's one or the other, we always count on both of us to do good. So mm-hmm. um, even after last week, our – uh coaches were always preaching that we're always going to keep ourselves and, and hold ourselves to a high standard so um whether it is paired with the offense doing well or not I feel like we both on both sides of the ball including special teams too, try to excel at what we do so it was just nice um being able to play at a high level it was unfortunate that our offense didn't do so well but um I mean, we came out with a win. We're able to go back to the drawing boards, chalk it up, and we don't have to walk away with a loss. So that's a nice thing.
0: Well, and the conference is so good, you can't even really enjoy it much because now Idaho comes in, another ranked team. They beat Montana. You got a you got a good team coming in. Give us a kind of a preview of what to expect with Idaho
6: this weekend. Uh, from Idaho, obviously, um, like you said, they beat Montana. But uh, just watching them, they're playing with a lot of uh, great and swagger. They – kind of remind us of ourselves in 2019. Uh, You get a new coach uh, coming in and changing the culture and obviously they're playing a lot with uh, freedom. They don't really have much to lose Um, but that's kind of what we see from them but it's not like we're taking, we're changing our approach to them. We just, everybody's a good opponent really. We see Montana that was a good opponent. We prepared well and um, we're trying to do the same thing here with Idaho let's get uh your background obviously you
0: are an accomplished high school player you played down in Southern California at Hawthorne what what led you to Sacramento
6: State what was the draw here for you to become a Hornet uh to the truth this was my only offer I had talked to some big schools um before and then there were some big schools that were trying to offer me after but I had already committed and set my mind on coming out here and uh One of the things actually that uh, pulled me out here was when I was on my recruiting visit, I kind of got a hold or there was like a group chat made of all of the players that were committed here already. So we had a group chat and we already started developing like this brotherhood coming into school. Like um, there were some guys that came up here early in the summer. I was one of the guys that came right at fall camp and uh, we were already getting to chop it up. Everybody was already up in there. So by the time we got to the dorms, it was like everybody already knew each other. So I feel like that kind of, it didn't kind of, it for sure helped the process of me just being able to come up here and feel like I'm already a part of the team. I didn't really know the older guys yet, but the people that I was going to be around the most, which was in the dorms and outside of fall camp and even my whole first year, I was already interacting with early on. Who were some of those guys if they're either still teammates or had moved on even by now? Uh, Shoot. A lot of them are gone now, but uh, one of the guys that you still see here or some of the guys that you still see here is uh, Brandon Weldon and Abel Ordaz, and I'm pretty tight with those guys uh, still. Yeah. Which coach uh, at that time, Jody Sears was the coach, so which coach from that staff was the one that kind of recruited you and and landed you? Uh, The coach that recruited me was uh, James Montgomery. He's at – Fresno State now but he was the running back coach when I first came and uh he was a he was a real cool dude he had a long day the first time I seen him so he didn't really have energy he was just going through the motions and getting the basics down but the second time he knew that he wanted to talk to me and actually showed me some love
0: and so now you've kind of seen it all that group um had some success but also some tough times at the end coaching change there's a COVID year it, you've, you've kind of experienced it all. How would you describe where you guys are now? It's it's really an amazing turnaround how successful you guys have been under Coach Taylor.
6: Um, A lot of credit to everybody that has came in uh, with Coach Taylor and just with the new mindset of creating this new culture of winning. Um, obviously, we still have some people and some elements from the old, but for the most part, it's just – what they brought to the table. Um, I feel like the for how terrible the COVID year was for everybody else, for the brotherhood that we wanted to build, it was very instrumental in that. Mm-hmm. So just spending that amount of time with the same amount of people and just being through that hard time together, I feel like that really pulled us together. We've been through a lot um, outside of football, and I feel like that's just – one of the things that make us so tight out there
0: that's interesting cuz a lot of people ask me like why how have the hornets turned it around obviously there's great coaching there's great players but I don't know you're in it like what sounds like what you're putting your finger on is just whatever that family bond brotherhood is that what's been the key to make it
6: so wildly successful uh yeah i would say i would say that for sure i mean uh even when he when coach taylor first came in one of the philos philosophies that he tried to preach to us was that we were a family Mm -hmm. Um, not that we didn't already have that kind of going on but as we kept recruiting new guys and getting new coaches and building this thing he wanted to emphasize first that we are first together before anything else Mm -hmm. when we first got coach Dietrich out here was we were all first together we didn't split up and work out Uh, by position group or anything like that we literally did everything at the same time all together everything so um just preaching love to us and preaching the the bond that we have together it manifested and now you're starting to see it um i mean you already seen it in 2019 you've seen it in 2021 and uh hopefully this family gets rewarded again but you're seeing it again now I remember back a couple years ago when Andy
0: Thompson came in as the defensive coordinator. He was talking about your position specifically about how excited he was about you. That he, you know he's had other. I don't even know what position you officially call yourself: nickelback, linebacker, rover. I mean you're everywhere, but you were one of the bigger guys at six three coming in. There. Just he hadn't had one uh, a player of your stature and ability at that size. Kind of take us through your position. Describe it. What do you, what do you
6: feel like your position is defensively for this team? uh I feel like this position is anything we need for the week cuz mm-hmm. I'm able to access both uh being a linebacker and then also being a defensive back so and especially how much versatility and uh, diversity we have in our defense uh, it allows me a lot of freedom and it just changes week to week on how we approach things so it's pretty cool I always view myself as a DB but I know I could play linebacker uh credit to the coaches that I've had here Um, now and past that have prepped me for being able to do both things and then shout out to Coach Key uh, Cole anybody that's helped me work out over the summer and Coach Witt that has allowed me to continue to sharpen myself as a DB Interesting that's where you see yourself
0: And, and you make a ton of tackles you've had sacks, interceptions, fumble recoveries what when you think about the game and if you're kind of dreaming it what's your favorite play to make defensively Big hit
6: I'd probably say uh, interception. Mm-hmm. That feels the most rewarding just because um, I feel like uh, pretty confident in my ability to play the run game, and I feel like those are pretty standard. The only big plays that you get out of tackling is like a, like a big hit or a sack. So I feel like it's kind of harder to play man coverage and stuff like that. So I feel like just being able to be rewarded for denying the quarterback where he wants to go with the ball is – that, that feels good so yeah i remember
0: on the game earlier this year it was northern iowa you got a pick and i i think i jumped the gun i thought you were gone for sure um <laughs> uh i think i talked to coach thompson afterwards i don't know if it was hamstring or something kind of tightened up i know you remember the play uh
6: what did happen on that one uh i thought i was gone too <laughs> but <laughs> now nah, we had a um that was a tough game too yeah. um uh, it was just a, a long drive. I was actually about to come out to play before just because I was having a hard time breathing. Mm-hmm. And then play developed. I got the pick. I was trying to get out as fast as I could just to try and discourage anybody from chasing me because I already knew that my legs were gassed. And uh, by the time I looked back the third time, the quarterback was right there, and uh, credit to him for hustling. He did a good job getting me down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Uh Hamstrings just got tight, couldn't breathe. <laughs> Everything started getting woozy. I couldn't even see no more. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It was just it was just my legs.
0: Yeah. Well, it still decided the game, which was great, and a pick that kind of helped seal the deal for you guys. So, you guys are in good position now. Still a lot more work to do, and I know you guys have had success, but it feels like everyone's still thinking about advancing farther is that kind of uh, discussed as team goals is hey you guys have now elevated the program now it's time to start winning some some
6: postseason games uh, yes sir these past two seasons um, that we've played in and participated in obviously we've made it to the playoffs and have won uh, uh, been the champions of the conference both times but we're well aware of um, our early playoff exits Um, so that's the next step but we can't really get too far ahead so Idaho's our next opponent right now they're undefeated in conference and we have a lot of big heavy hitters in the conference and obviously that uh, have rank in the nation um, that we have to handle before we even get to playoffs but uh, I'm kind of glad our schedule is set up this way to prep us this way like I said Montana's like a This last game that we played versus Montana was like a playoff-type game. Uh, Tough situations going in there, good atmosphere. Um, Started getting real late, too, a long game. But if you're able to endure games like that and win and come out of those games, and it's like those are uh, preparing you well. If these were games were getting real easy, then it feels like what you're playing against JV teams or mediocre teams, and then the next thing you know, you have to play against a real physical team that can move the ball fast and stuff like that. So um, I feel like in the long run this is beneficial for us, uh, having our schedule be the way that it is right now. Um, And, yeah, I mean, we already know what it's been before. We're trying to get a win in January now. Um, as far as you looking ahead I know you've got games to
0: worry about but you've already graduated you're doing extra work in kinesiology now um, but what would be the once football is done this year for you for Sac State uh, more football ahead what
6: what, what are your goals yes, sir, I'm hoping to try and get into the NFL um, but I feel like all of that work starts really has already started in the summer and in the previous winter and the, the year before that and stuff like that, just being able to build a foundation and continue to allow me to shop, sharpen my sword and my uh skill set. But um yeah, I just continue to grind day to day and yeah. hopefully I'm able to go somewhere in the summer leading up. Yeah. Have you had feedback <clears throat> excuse me from anybody on kind of where where they see you at, in the NFL level? uh pretty i think right now the talks are around like the same position and this is just from my coaches Mm -hmm. like pretty much playing the same position yeah that's exciting that's
0: exciting and um and then kinesiology obviously you've graduated which is awesome and, and still more work there if nfl or any other football didn't work there's still maybe a thought there of physical
6: therapy oh yeah for sure i mean i'm already uh in the training room a lot and I ask a lot of questions there anyway, so I feel like I'm one of the workers there at this point, <laughs> whether it's for myself or just uh, helping other guys out. But, yeah, I have a passion for that too, so we'll see. Well, we wish you nothing
0: but the best going forward. Uh, hopefully many more Hornet games are ahead for you, Marte, and it's been fun watching you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Have a blessed day. All right, again, thank you to Marte Mapu there. let's Let's close out with a look at Idaho. This is Saturday's opponent. It's homecoming again. We need people out there. It was a great crowd. They've had 10,000-plus for the first two games, nearly 16,000 for the Montana game. This is homecoming. This team is undefeated. Idaho is really good. you got to get out there and support this entertaining football team. So let's hope we see you out there Saturday night, 6 o'clock, for the Vandals, who are 5-2 and two, but undefeated in conference. This team can still win the conference for sure. And you know they're – Circle this game. What a what a win it would be for Idaho to beat Montana and then Sacramento State, two highly ranked teams. If they can do it, the Vandals come in ranked uh, at five and two. Their only losses got to keep this in mind are to Washington State from the Pac-12, and they were leading ten nothing, and to Indiana from the Big 12, and they were leading ten nothing. Competitive, beyond competitive in both games. Into the second half, they have wins over Drake, then in conference of Northern Arizona. Northern Colorado, who's a common opponent for the Hornets. Hornets beat Northern Colorado pretty easily. So did Idaho by 20. And then Idaho went to Montana. Tough place to play and won there by seven. And this last weekend beat Portland State convincingly as well. So they've got a good offense that averages about 36 points per game. Defense, it's giving up 23 points per game. They are one of the best in time of possession. So kind of like Dustin Fox said earlier, he can imagine Idaho just really trying to limit the possessions for the Hornets chew up time, get points that way if they can. But the stat that's absolutely staggering, and it's when you have that special season, they are plus 11 in the turnover department. That is really rare. I mean, the Hornets were on the positive all season long till last weekend. So the Hornets gave the ball up more than they should, and you likely don't win games when you turn it over four times. They got away with one. I don't think they could do that two weeks in a row. So the Hornets are going to have to take care of the ball, Be able to run the ball against a pretty good run defense. Not as good as Montana's, but statistically still a good run defense. If the Hornets can do those things, that's kind of their MO. Run the ball, take care of it, find the timely passing, build a lead. The Hornets are lethal when they're ahead. We saw how difficult it was for them to come from behind. So those are some things to watch for uh, this Saturday night. We hope we see you out there. We thank you so much for listening. Our thanks again to Dustin Fox. Our thanks to Marte Mapu. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Stingers Up
2: football podcast. See ya.